This is mine and yours, and you're listening to the Duck Show. Yo, check it out. A whole new generation of young people today who belong nowhere. But I prefer to be now cast third culture kids where the concept of the Duck is the, the corner shop or the top We are live outside. Hey, yo, what's up, people? What up, nation? It's a revolution of expression. You're tuned in to the Duck Show. Stay tuned in. Arab digital generation is shaping our identity, their creative expression, and their future. So please give a very warm welcome Welcome to your tribe. So, Marwan, welcome. Thanks for having me. Yo, uh, I'm so happy that we got to have you on the show. I think a couple of years ago, I think we spoke briefly about having you on, potentially maybe it didn't work out. And then we I think COVID did at the time. Yeah, it was right. I think it was before COVID when I reached out to you the first time around. Was it? Yeah. And then obviously after when we connected with Shepard Ferry for his session, you came out like, oh my God, of course, I know Marwan. See his work everywhere. And we tried to get him on the show before. But I'm happy, I'm happy that you're finally here. So I think a fair kickoff is for those who don't know who you are, who are you? Well, we were just discuss- discussing this before, weren't we? Right, yeah. offline. Yeah, question I ask myself every day. Uh, well, by name, Marwan. By uh, night. <laughs> well, it's funny that you say that by yeah. night because yeah. back in my day when I had a real job, I would be Marwan in the day and then mine and yours in the evening. Yeah. Mm. Um, but yeah, I've always gone by the pseudonym, mine and yours. Uh, but only recently have I started to kind of come out of that a bit yeah. and introduce myself as Marwan and also show the face behind the work rather than hiding behind the work. Right. Keeping that mystery alive. Um, but yeah, in answer to your question, Marwan, mine and yours, I'm an artist. Wonderful. One. And how long have you been doing this for? Um, 15 years. No, longer than that. Professionally for 10 years. Okay. But when I refer to a real job, I was doing this in the evenings for a very long period of my life. What was your real job and where was your real job? Back in the UK, what was the job? Well, I was in marketing. Oh, okay. Everyone I, I, has that marketing like, yeah, about, graveyard side. Yeah, all the artists. Yeah. Like, oh, I worked in advertising by day, but really, yeah, this is who I was. Yeah. yeah. Well, look, I mean, I studied economics at university. I went down that road and mm. quickly realized that's the wrong path Not for me. For you. But uh, that's where the art came from. It came from during my studies. And I worked in a record store. I played in a band. I did the artwork for the band. And then I kind of went down that road right. while I was balancing this notion that, well, I need to get a degree. You know, I need to get a proper job, whatever proper means, yeah. following this. So it kind of just, I followed that path and it was normal. That was what you're supposed to do. Uh, and then once I realized that's not for me, that's when I started concentrating on mine and yours a lot more. Wonderful. Yeah. But and London, you said you were in London at the time. Yeah. London has a very specific signature style of graffiti and a history that you sort of apprentice under. I think there are pillars of graffiti, the sure. way I see. When I when I, when I walk through London, that's what I see. Yeah. Um so can you tell us about how does how how does you where what informs your style? So Marwan, advertising dude, suddenly realizes, yeah. nah, nah. Homie. I'm mine and yours. Yeah, so yeah. what path do you go creatively and why? Uh, it came from music. Oh. Very much from album covers, the band artwork, uh, the graphics that you'd find on the back of a skateboard, mm-hmm. t-shirts, things like that. It's a very bold graphics, kind of dark graphics, but with a very colorful wit uh, underneath them. Uh, so my inspiration came from that. I used to buy albums from bands that I'd never heard the band before. I was intrigued by the artwork. Just by, by the album cover. Exactly. I, so, I still do that when it comes to vinyls. Yeah. 
I have no idea who this artist is. It's just, yo, that cover is great. Yeah. Whoever the artist was, shout out to you because I just bought it yeah. for that reason. Yeah. That's the collector in you because it's also yeah. dope to have it there as a visual statement in your house. Some people yeah. some people actually put up the album covers on, like they frame them and they put them on, on, on the wall. Like I have a friend that has yeah. a full on wall, just album covers. Yeah. So I used to actually draw the album covers. Okay. Just copy them and just put them on the wall. I even, oh, sweet. My first mural was in my bedroom. It was an album cover. Uh, very badly done, but, <laughs> but, but nonetheless. So graffiti for me, it came a bit later, but mm-hmm. I never heavily got into it. Yeah, I got into the, the idea that it was kind of anti-authority yes. and you were, I guess, fighting the system. Mm-hmm. And I think I was fighting myself rather than fighting the system. So it was a way for me to rebel. Yeah. So I only ever really did one piece of actual graffiti, which was on the exam hall of the exam I was supposed to be taking the next day. Right. I went the night before. And you were like, you know what? That's the one. <laughs> I'm not okay with this place. Yeah, this is what I'm going to do. This is what make I'm going to do. Yeah. <laughs> so I was more excited to get to the exam hall the next day to see the people who were looking at the wall yeah. rather than what I was about right. to go and do. Um, so yeah, that, that you was... Did you fail the exam? Uh, I can't remember <laughs> what year this was. Um, I failed my first year. Okay. If that, Makes that happy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I got my degree in the end. It took a year longer than it okay. should have. But uh, I don't know if I failed that exam. I walked out of a number of exams, if, uh, if that mm-hmm. helps. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so that was my only take on graffiti. It was more the, the ethics and the culture yes. of graffiti that yeah. I was uh, more interested in, which kind of links back to the music as well. And the music was, I, I grew up on punk music and skateboarding. So all of that was very much the same kind of atmosphere as what graffiti was doing. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's where the inspiration for the whole, uh, the identity came from. Mm-hmm. I, I find the identity, obviously, art is so subjective in so many ways. But I find when I look at the, I, when I look at your work, I enjoy the tongue-in-cheek nature. There's a rebellion in everything that you do. And it's, it's all like happy clouds. And I'm like, this isn't, this, it's wonderful. It's so palatable. And um, it's palatable in the most politically interesting way to me. Um, did you learn this? Or this is how you always were? No, I learned this. Who taught mm. you this? The cloud. <laughs> okay. Honestly. It was, I love that. Wow. It, it was an evolution. Uh, people ask, where did the cloud come from? Why did you make it in the first place? And there's no reason. It, the cloud came to you? It just happened. It was very organic. It was a drawing that happened that I ended up turning into stickers, turning into posters and having fun with. And then once I started to do that, people started to react to it. Yeah. So the audience was asking me questions about what is this? Why are you doing this? What does it mean? And only once they started to ask me those questions did I start to ask myself those questions right. and then start to look at my environment in a very different way start to look at symbols and icons and what direction they're trying to push you in and then go back to advertising and marketing and all the stuff that I used to do and try to figure out what is happening outside. What messages are we being sold every day? And what is this cloud telling people? And what was interesting about the cloud, it wasn't telling anything to anyone. Or everything to everyone. Or that. But what was really important about it was that it wasn't pushing you in a certain direction. So it wasn't... um, a symbol that was saying, hey, go buy, do, go buy this or do this. or uh, It was just there to be there. Right. Mm. Which was refreshing to me because I didn't know that things like that could exist. You know, just do, so, do something for the pure love of it. Um, 
So it evolved and the philosophy behind the cloud grew. And it's still teaching me something every day. And it, as you said, it's subjective. So the viewer interprets it in their own way. And some people look at the X's for eyes as a symbol of negativity or death. And other people look at it as something completely different. Right. Some people look at the cloud, it's cute and fluffy. Other people think it's not. Yeah. And that's very interesting because potentially I refer to that as a, a reflection of yourself. Yes. It is. And how you're viewing it and what you're going through. I think, yeah. well, I mean, it's now like, now we're all thinking about the last time we walked through D3 and when and did we see did the clouds think? and now what did thinking, I feel? What were you saying when we look at the clouds as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I feel when I, when, I, when I interact and when I find art, that's simplicity is the hardest thing to do. Right. That's the most complicated thing for me when I see something that is so simple in its right. essence, the iconography I of think it. in art and in language as well, like if in you want, I think it's easier to write a long piece and explain yourself through it than being very brief in a single statement. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's the same thing with art. Like, it's interesting as you're talking right now about the cloud and like, first time I saw it, I thought it was just sarcastically funny, right? And that way where it's like, I, I in some ways, I assumed the idea was to take from it whatever, it, whatever you want to see, you take that from it because, you know, in traditional cartoons, the X is like for death, but it's yeah. kind of like supposed to be fluffy and cute. But then the what could be taken as a mouth is like it's emotional. So there's stoicism there. There's sarcasm. It could be funny. It could be serious. You take whatever you want from it. And I thought that was a very interesting take on something that simple. Yeah. And I always wondered like how long does it take to come up with something like that? But listening to you speak, like actually it doesn't end as a journey. It's constantly evolving and your relationship with the cloud is changing. Yeah. yeah, especially that the interpretation is it's from the viewer. So it depends on the viewer, they interpret whatever it is. So it can never stop having that one meaning to what you were pointing. It depends on the person, it depends on what they're feeling at the time, how they see it, where they see it, and when they see it. And that's super interesting. And that's the beauty of art and your art, actually. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's been teaching me a lot ever since I created it. And it's always been a reflection of what I'm going through. But what I'm going through is not actually that unique. You know? Fair everyone is going okay. through a very similar thing. So it was a reminder to myself, which is why the name complements it so well, mine and yours. You know, everything out there is ours. Yes. When I mm. first started, it was, uh, it was all about me. You know, mm. It was, uh, I look back at it as selfish art. Or egotistical? It, maybe not egotistical, but it was me figuring myself out. So all the art I was doing was trying to find out who am I. Yeah. So it was all mine. You know, mm. it's only mine. Yeah. And then once I started putting it outside, that's when I imposed a responsibility on myself because I was creating a dialogue without realizing it. You know, I was just doing it because I thought it was rebellious. You know, right. it was something I wasn't supposed to do, which that made me feel somewhat alive. So I went with that. But once I started to realize that other people are feeling something from this and asking questions, then I've imposed a responsibility. And now it's all of ours. It's a, a community. And it's important for the narrative to, to continue. And that's what's been going on for the past 15 years. That narrative has been evolving and continuing and constantly expanding over time as I continue to uh, develop the work and broaden the work and integrate the cloud into various other narratives, whatever they may be. Right. And now, are you, I mean, I'm assuming you are a lot more purposeful with the way you create your art. I guess there's a, a deeper narrative now as you're working on different pieces. It's funny you say that because all of my work has always been figure out the message first and then allow the visuals to represent that message. And then I took a step back and I allowed the visuals to tell me. 
mm. rather than the other way around. So I would just draw for the sake of drawing. And uh, this was very recently, maybe two years ago, I would draw things that I think just look cool. Okay. That was it. Right. You know, go back to my skateboarding days and draw skulls because skulls to me are badass and I just want to draw skulls. And I think all of that came from dealing with clients so much. And when you deal with clients, yeah, you give me that look. You yeah, deal with clients that much, then yeah. um, you start to lose your purpose yeah. a bit. And you find that the path you thought you were on, you're no longer on. So I took a step back from all of that and just started drawing visuals that I thought best represented me and just for the fun of it. But funnily enough, they all created a narrative I was unaware of. Hmm. So when I'd finished this series, which was just before COVID, the year before COVID, I put it all together and there was a narrative, an unknowing narrative that just happened. And I liked the idea that things were more free rather than forced. So I've been following that route hmm. where I'm just doing things that I think uh, it's kind of going back to selfish art. Isn't again. it? Yeah. I, was, I, was, I wasn't going to say it, but... <laughs> I've had enough of the people. <laughs> yeah. Um, so... How do you navigate this space of freedom that you have imposed? You know, you said two years ago, you had to take a step back. But we operate in a world where rent needs to be paid. Yeah. Yeah. And so how do you navigate the tension between understanding that a client's input, while valuable, because they are an income, sure. uh, needs to be put at bay because it does affect the work at large. Yeah. How do you navigate that? Or do you even navigate it? With difficulty. Great difficulty. Mm. Yeah. And remain inspired. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, a lot of suffering. Yeah. Oh, so you're uh, just tortured like the rest of them. <laughs> like you're like the rest yeah, of them. Yeah. Like suffering in the back. <laughs> yeah, look, I started off as a traditional kind of stereotypical uh, starving artist mm -hmm. and gone back to that, I think, very happily. Um, so in terms of navigating the clients, uh, You can say you don't. It's fine. Yeah, okay. Because I don't. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. I respect yeah. that because I think that we all kind of, we make our sacrifices. Those, these, are, these, are, these are the chips we're playing at the moment. And yeah. the fact you just said, well, I'd rather nothing but the art. Yeah. Nothing but the art yeah. matters. Well, I mean, this thing has taught me a lot. Yeah. As I was saying, you know, I came from a place where I wasn't into what I was doing. And I've gone back to that place. And then when you yeah. woke up the morning, you realize you've gone back. What was that like? Yeah, it was a bad day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. You're like, oh shit, I'm here. Yeah. yeah, I mean, look, the first five, six, seven years is great. You know, you're building up confidence, a portfolio. People are entertaining you and you're getting paid. Right. You're getting paid to do what you love. So you're on a high and you're at the top of this mountain and everything is going so well. And then you kind of, something clicks in your head at one point and you look at the work and think. No. It's not great. You know, I'm, not, I'm not into it as I was before. And then you start to question, were you ever into it or were you just on a high because you were living off creating visuals, which is great. But I guess uh, I don't want to use the word matured because I guess maybe I have matured. I, I don't know. But mm. I've gotten to a point where I know what I want from the work and I can see where I want to take it in the next 10 years. So I know what I need to do to get there. And doing what I was doing the past five, six years is not going to get me there. Yeah. So I'm doing it with difficulty. I'm suffering, but it's necessary suffering that I feel would ultimately pay off. But then again, like, what's the like? Maybe there's not a concrete solution, but like, what is the solution for getting paid? Like when I say getting paid, at least surviving, but remaining inspired. Inspired. Is it having someone else deal with the clients, or is it you know what? 
I believe in my art so much where I'm going to create it and then find a way to sell it or find a place where it needs to live. Like, what is the formula? Maybe not solution, but what is the formula? Because, yes, every, like, to, to your point, there is a stereotypical starving artist, but then you can't stay starving. Sure. They can't stay starving for ever. Yeah. Uh, so what is, yeah. like, a formula for that or a way forward they're thinking? Uh, I found it to be the latter. So um, create the work, and if people are into the work, then the right people will come to you. They will take the work. So uh, to give you a good example, the past year has been studio-based work. So obviously no murals, nothing's happening. So I've been forced to stay in the studio and create canvases, which is all I've been doing for the past year or so. And those canvases, once they're finished, they're finished. So you come into the studio, you have a look on the wall, the canvases are there. If you like it, great, you can buy it. If you don't, right. that's fine. Mm. You know, but there's no changes. There's no going back and forth. Hey, can you tweak this, do that, whatever yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's done. So maybe in answer to your question, um, finding people who are into art, so collectors, for example, who buy art because they love art. Um, those kind of people will walk in. If they see something they want, they'll buy it. And it's done. So there's, there's no back and forth. Mm -hmm. Uh, so that's been the most refreshing thing for me. I thought the gallery space prior to this year was this very restrictive space where you couldn't do anything. But actually, matter of fact, it seems like it's one of the most freeing spaces because you're creating the work and people are coming to the work right. rather than the other way around. So uh, I've been exploring that for a while now and I think that's something that very much interests me because of the freedom that it's given me. How do you feel about the, this world of... So I'm, I'm making a... a an assumption here. Okay. Someone who doesn't want to live for the living for the likes of others, if you will. Um, how do you feel about social media? I'm I'm making assumption you might like like it a bit, but hate what it's made of. Like, is this a place where you operate, where you care? Yeah, to say that I don't care, or anyone says they don't care, is probably deluding themselves a bit. We all care, regardless of how much we're influenced by it or not. Um, funnily enough, before COVID, no notifications on my phone. Everything always turned off. Never a part of that. I'll go on my own terms. COVID hit, notifications. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> Allow them. Talk, talk to me now. <laughs> Whoever wants to get a touch, get a touch. I've got a time for you. Yeah. It, it's great. So there are benefits to it if you can manage it, yeah. which is really important. Because once it gets out of control, then that addiction kicks in and then you're in trouble. And we're all very vulnerable to that addiction. Incredibly. And uh, these algorithms are crazy to what they can do to you. And I suffer from it all the time. If I get on YouTube and watch one video and the next video comes on, I'm, I've lost two hours of my life immediately. Yeah. Yeah. You should see Raym on Amazon. I'm, I'm a, it's a vortex out there, guys. It's, it's not safe. Everybody. We lose like, her for a couple of days. Yeah. I'm, I'm you know, what, in the wilderness. And we spend another three days unpacking what she bought. <laughs> and then. And they're all returning it. And they're right. all six yeah. dollar items. You know you what I mean? So they're all like very badly so packed. They're no. very small. Yeah. But every day is a surprise of six dollar items. You know what I mean? It's the, it's a, it's a 2.0 of a kinder egg. Listen. <laughs> I don't judge your online activity. Don't judge mine. But what I, what I do know. What I do know is that I find a lot of um, artists that we meet or that we have the pleasure of like getting to know really well are very troubled or very concerned about what it, how the value of their art without an online presence or without that online interaction gets somehow diluted. It, it, it's, very, it's just a part of how artists are valued these days. Yeah. And so I, I think that you're right. If it can be managed, wonderful. If not, it might be just one of those things you sacrifice and you know, along with the stuff that, you know, the other starving stuff. 
the tossed in the starving pile, I guess, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, social media has so many benefits. You can reach such a wide audience. Yeah. You know, public art is great because you can actually go there and you can install the mural. That's, that's yeah. fantastic. But when you're so disconnected from everyone, this is such a great way to connect and to spread your art. So it's a very powerful tool. Um, something that we all do is we look at likes, we look at follows. So when you go onto someone's page, an artist's page, and if they haven't got a credible, whatever that means, amount of followers, then you're probably going to dismiss them unless you're really in love with the art. So there is a filtering process that goes on, which can be beneficial. Um, I'm not very engaged on social media. I find it quite difficult to, to go on there, but I recognize the value of it. Yeah. So I do mm -hmm. try, but I need to be pushed in order to do that. So my followers are not huge. You know, my likes are not huge, that kind of aspect. And I'm okay with that because I feel that the people who are there, they're the people who really want to be there. Yeah. And uh, if someone goes onto my page and sees the amount of followers and is unhappy with that and then leaves, then it's probably best they leave. Fair enough. Yeah. So, so the filtering True. process is, is interesting to me. Yeah. It kind of works their advantage that way. It, yeah, probably and also probably oh, but, not. And, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like, it's a double-edged sword, like it's a, you know, same coin, two sides, two faces, you kind of, yeah. depending on how you want to perceive it, I think at that point you yeah. let it be what it is. Yeah, it's such know? a Black Mirrors episode, if anyone wants to It's so true. You have to have an, ex an exact amount of followers and likes to get on like yeah. business class on an airplane or like to drive right. on that freeway or like to shop or go to that spot. So, yeah. And it's it's true, like it's it's close. It's not true, true, but like it is the world that we're living in. Like to your point, like people go in. Oh, he doesn't have much followers. Maybe some people just go in just to be part of the hype. Yes, yeah, uh, that's true. And when they don't find that it's that hype, they go like, you know what? Maybe not. But then to your point, is that whoever wants to be there, actually, I'd rather have sixty people that love my art versus a thousand people that are just clicking just so they can. Oh, this guy also like us, so I also belong to that group because we all like the same picture. Oh yeah, uh, I remember that life. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, a question about, so we recently um, had a, the wonderful opportunity to speak with Shepard. And uh, I, he mentioned that you were, you apprentice? Yeah, I interned for him. You interned you for interned him. for him. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah, that's the question. Huh? What? And how? And so what like was now? that like? Uh, yeah, so... That, <laughs> uh, way back when, uh, he did a solo show back in the UK in London in 2007. Mm. A massive show. It was an airplane hangar of a show. Oh, wow. Uh, so we met there, became friends. This was very early on in my non-existent career. It wasn't anything at this point. It was, I was just interested in, in the, the work. Uh, so we met there, uh, became friends, and then he invited me to his studio in LA and said, hey, would you like to intern? He could see that I was still at the beginning um, he liked my work, um, so he suggested I come. And you got on a plane and went to LA. So I got on a plane and I went to LA. We respect anyone who shows up because we're like, it. that's the kind of people that we love. Yeah. Is like, you know, if Shepard Berry says, come to my. Come through, intern. Some, a lot well, of people I wouldn't. promise you, if me and Oti didn't need a visa, we'd do the same thing. <laughs> 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 who would turn that down there? 
I, yeah, no. To be honest with you, I think that it takes, think it takes a special found, character to not talk yourself out of it. It needs yeah. a special vision because not takes, everyone looks Because looks, it would have been like, forward, it's right? like how I said, oh, the visa thing. I think Shepard, if that was me, I would have been like, hey, I need your signature on these papers. I need to get my visa. Get through them. Eventually, he might uninvite me after yeah. like, yo, it's too much work. But no, like, yeah, no. I think that it's just it one of those vision, things. It takes vision, to be honest. Yeah. It takes someone that's a bit forward looking to see that, all right, I'm going to go there. I'm probably going to suffer. Uh, but the amount of knowledge and the amount of opportunity and the amount of connections and everything that I'm going to gain is going to pave the way for a yeah. much better future. Well, that stuff sounds fantastic because I wasn't thinking about any yeah. of that stuff. Ah. So what were you thinking? <laughs> I'm going to go chill with Shepard Ferry. That's the kind of thing you need. But no, I, I hopped on a plane. I was going to LA. That, that was it. That was, that was the extent of it for me is I'm going to be surrounded by someone who I admire and respect. And right. this is going to be a great experience. And was it like, was... See, so you were thinking correctly. I mean, yes, well, I guess obviously. Yeah, sure. Obviously. Maybe not that strategic, but you still yeah. had that in your head. <laughs> sure, so sure. Like, like do a SWOT analysis. <laughs> if we were. If we were, but... <laughs> yeah. I feel like, that. did it inform mine and yours? Did, did that time? Because there are moments in my life where they're just transformative moments. Like they're just transformative eras. Yeah. Was that one of those for you? Without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's led to 10 years down the line, him coming to Dubai and... Last or two weeks ago, that was a transformative mm. week. Right. You know, for anyone who was a part of that. Oh, yeah. Especially for me because of my history and what, because of what happened 10 years ago, it was kind of going back into the past. Right. And then doing it here so much further along my career. Where I remember then, was I still working in my other job? I think I was. I can't remember. Um, but I mean, now I'm doing something that I really believe in. And it's just, it took me back to 10 years ago with him, but definitely a transformative moment really important one yeah i'm happy to hear that i'm happy you had that yeah um, me too <laughs> yeah and what about so you mentioned that you now have maybe not a destination but a, a, the compass is pointing in a certain direction for the next 10 years and you seem to have a, a way some fuel in the tank so you know where you're going where is that place where do you want to be in 10 years from now yeah um in LA, chilling with Shepherds. Right? Oh. <laughs> you already did that. It'd be great. <laughs> be great. Uh, look, I mean, probably going back to a few years ago, uh, living off the work in a very comfortable way. Mm. So to be able to now go in this new direction and then get back to that point, um, that's not the main uh, focus, I think. It's more to get the work to where I want it to be. To look back in 10 years from now, I think this was the right move. And the work is, I mean, I'm proud of everything that I've done but I feel uh, there's a lot more growth that needs to be done in terms of the work. So I want to be able to look back in 10 years from now and think that growth happened. Yeah. And not, I've still got, well, you'll always have more to do, but not that I didn't do it. Fair mm. enough. And what's at the heart of mine and yours when it comes to, do you have a, um, a central model or a central sort of statement in that, that is, a, is, a, is a thread that runs through just maybe you? And the ethos of who you are as Marwan, maybe not even as mine and yours. Uh, yeah, I mean, probably something that sounds a bit cheesy, but it came right at the beginning was this life is mine and yours. Oh. Mm. That always seems to come back to me. Like, whatever it is, it's ours. And I always remind myself of that when I uh, lose focus. Yeah, I dig that. Right. What were some of the biggest challenges that had you sort of risked change the direction of your ship completely? Um, challenges. 
I'm not sure. Uh, does kids, does that count as one? Kids? You mean when you, when had, you had kids? kids? Yeah. I feel like that definitely does. <laughs> I mean, there's a few moments in your life where um, you change. Probably when you change a job, if you've been in that job for a long time, when you become a parent, mm-hmm. massive one. I think that probably, I mean, it's a massive challenge. And uh, funnily enough, when you have kids, you would think, I shouldn't stop doing what I'm doing. I should continue with the security and continue with the being able to provide. But it took me the other way. Right. Like, I want to be able to instill in my kids what I believe in myself and to show them that you can do anything um, or you can try to do anything. <laughs> um, so that was probably one. Uh, I mean, I go through challenges in my work like we've been discussing all the time where I've done work where I look at now and think that's just not good but you mm. know at the time you're looking at a thing that's amazing and then anyone else who looks at it thinks that's great but you're going through these kind of psychological challenges as an artist with your work that I'm sure most artists go through where they yeah. look at it and they question it and think is this good enough um, and I, I actually had an interesting conversation about this recently the insecurities about your work and because I never studied art I had nothing to do with it. You know, I just mm-hmm. came into it. I did a diploma in graphic design, but that means nothing. But uh, I've always struggled with the insecurity of my work feeling, is this good enough? Right. And I wonder where that comes from. And I had a level of uh, obsession with perfection. Mm. Whatever perfection is, it's nothing. But I had an obsession with, if I couldn't make it perfect in my head, then I don't deserve to be here. I don't deserve to be an artist in the first place. So I went, I always go through this struggle. Uh, it's easing off now and now I'm purposely going in the other direction and trying to, I guess I'm changing the definition of perfection. Right. You have to, because you're bullying yourself. Exactly. And in yeah. the other space, you're just, every day you're entering the studio and it's you and the bully yeah. and you're just making great work. And, and so it's working. You bully. Yeah, you know? I mean, it's unnecessary. Absolutely. You know, when you're on the screen and you're zooming in 6,000% to see something that no human eye is ever going to see, <laughs> what is the point? Yeah. You, the, you pixel pushers are the worst. <laughs> yeah. Like, because I can tell you now, we look at it from the, by the time we interact with your art, we have already known, we, we know of you usually, like right. especially with the murals and the bigger pieces. So no need to be so critical. We yeah. accept, we, we yeah. know the journey, you yeah. know, and as, as not only fans, but as people who love your work, right. we just, I just don't think you should be that harsh, like and with yourself or with the work, yeah. you know? But I think kind of like, uh, for me, I tend to romanticize these things where it's like, well, you know, it's kind of like, design before computers or music when it was on vinyl. There's beauty in the imperfection of it, right? And I think for collectors, when you're telling me that's one of 50 or whatever it may be, right? That means there are certain errors or things or mistakes that happened in that collection that's not going to be anywhere else. Yeah. So that's, that's also part of, I think, that, that part, that, that's part of falling in love with the art, right? That imperfection, I think, is part and parcel of it. So, yeah, like, with computers and high of <laughs> 6k and 8k now you can zoom in and spend so much time then get lost in it but we kind of come in and look at it holistically like where are the mistakes where are the errors does the paint kind of bleed off a little bit here or not and that's part of it sure. i think i think it's deeper than that though the pursuit of perfection is yeah. not for us as the consumer or no. the or the it's for you yeah. that's your own personal journey it has I don't think it has anything to do with the person buying your art like sure. the perfection the, the pursuit of perfection is really for all of us in all our work it's yeah. not it, 
It has so little it's for to the do creator. with the outside. It's yeah. for it's it's, it's our the own. creator, not the. Usual that's why it's buyer. much more difficult to yeah. to perfect. Like that's our sixteen yeah, rounds yeah, yeah. or whatever you want to call it, you know. Yeah. So. It, it like people are to, easier to make to please, but yeah. then again, your yeah. inner self yeah. sometimes. Yeah. So that's another asshole. <laughs> Yet another asshole. Yet another you. asshole. <laughs> so I guess it comes down to what is perfection to yeah. you, and why do we strive for it? What are we looking for? Yeah. And it's a, a sense for me, a sense of sanity, a sense of calm in that this is the way that I want to do it. But as you said, the the imperfections, which we don't even need to call imperfections, because there's beauty in them. And this is only something I've been realizing over the past year or two. So again, the evolution and probably a reflection of me and where I am now and that maybe I'm at a point where I think, you know what, you do deserve to be here. Yeah. And then now it's allowing me to really explore the rest of it. Um, so it's a really interesting psychological battle that you're yeah. constantly going through, but an exciting one nonetheless, because you don't know where you're going to be in a year from now or how you're going to be viewing things. Yeah. Who was it? Was it Liza? Liza, a, a girl that we had on the show. She said, what if you believed everything everyone said about you? Like all the good things. Yeah. Like what if you put that as on your mantelpiece first, that you are... You're in, you were inspiring, that you made me feel great, that you made me feel this. Like you start believing all the good things people tell or, you. Or, yeah. or even your bio. Mine and yours <laughs> is an artist. Okay, that's so it. I am. Yeah, therefore right. you are, you yeah. know? Yeah. So interesting how she said that. And right. it really start, it resonated. And it's one of those moments where like, well, that's the first time where I'm like, actually, that's a negotiation with my worst critic, be it myself. I was like, actually, but bro, what if we start believing this? What's going to happen? Yeah. Let's go down this road. We never did it before. Let's give it a try. Let's go down this route and see where it takes us. Yeah. And I think that in some ways, it doesn't silence the critic, but it, you start becoming a lot more accepting with yourself. Yeah. What sticks out to us the most when we have a conversation with someone? The 20 positive comments or the one negative? The one, one negative. negative. One crack in the that's wall, of one. course. <laughs> the single crack that, in the that wall. That ink on the white shirt. That's yeah, the yeah. one. Exactly. Yeah. And that will stay with you. Yeah. So how do we get control of that and concentrate on the 20? Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Well, I guess the journey is like ours. <laughs> like definitely not only yours. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I'm sure it's very common. <laughs> no, definitely. <laughs> What are you afraid of? I thought, why did I think of this recently? I did. What am I afraid of? Not achieving what I set out to achieve. Um, yeah, I've definitely got a problem with that. And it, it comes down to the most basic of things. Uh, a run, for example. You set yourself 5K, you're dying by 3K, whatever it is. <laughs> but you're not going to stop. Yeah. yeah. And I have to. And if I don't get there, I feel like it's a, a reflection that I've failed. Mm. And that then uh, transcends into everything else in my life. So I'm afraid of not um, not being able to fulfill what I put in my head. Mm. I dig that. No, but dude, for real, thank you so much, man, for coming through. This has been wonderful. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank yeah. you. Thank you, man. Thank you for kicking it with us today. I hope you enjoyed listening to this week's episode as much as we enjoyed creating it for you. Please subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast at to stay up to date with all our conversations. Also, if you don't mind, hit us with the five-star rating, leave a comment, let us know how you feel about the show. That way, it could also help others find the show. And be sure to share it with your friends and family, whoever you think can benefit from it. 
You can holler at us on all social media platforms at The Can Show. We'd love to hear from you. Or you can drop us an email to hello at thecanmedia.com. Salam.